Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> I have to do the announcements again today. So, like I'm saying, all the important stuff is written down here, but one thing that I uh, do want to say is pastor's uh, birthday cards. There's a basket in, in the back. Anyone that wants to give him a birthday card, we're going to make... Uh, we're going to give them to him next Sunday. So that gives us another week anyway. And uh, the mission, Mission Sunday. This month the donations will um, support the sheepfold. I guess that's how you pronounce it. And it's in uh, our sheep fold. That makes sense now. And it's located in orange. So anything that's put in the mission jar will go to them for this month. Okay, they support foster children. And an update on Ashley. Um, if anybody here that doesn't know, Ashley has COVID and she's still not feeling well. And her biggest fear was that her stepdaughter, uh, Stella, was going to get it and her wish came true. So it's going to be Ashley and Stella both have COVID. But there again, young kids seem to be able to weather this. I always said youth is wasted on the young. So that's about it. Anything or anybody have anything else they want everyone to know? Oh, sit and fit. They'll still have that on uh, Tuesday. Pam's going to run that again if Ashley's not feeling better and, and coming back. So, I can't hear. Bible study? Yeah, it'll still be. Although Tuesday, yeah. That I'm not sure of. No Bible study? Okay. So, when does pastor come back into the office? Tuesday? Tuesday? Oh, okay. So, that's it. George, it's all yours. Good morning. God and this congregation for the opportunity to serve both of you. It is a blessing to me. Let's, uh, I want to open with a prayer. Heavenly Father, God Almighty, Good morning, Father. Good, good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Come join us as we offer up our worship and praise. Let's open our ears and soften our hearts to hear the truth of your word. But most importantly, help us to live it out, not by our own power and might, but by yours. In Jesus' name and to your glory, Father, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand if you're able. Oh, meeting him? Go.
Now, please stand if you're able. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Most merciful God, we confess that we are in bondage to sin. of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you, and for his sake God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of, from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ. Who set us free to be people.
The Lord be with you. Almighty God, whom to, whom to know is everlasting life, grant us to know your Son, Jesus, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may satisfy, uh, steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Good morning. The first readings taken from the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, verses 1 through 10, and can be found on page 996 in the Pew Bible. Uh, Proverbs is a book that teaches people how to apply divine wisdom to our daily lives. And here we think of this reading as a biblical parable. The wisdom, think of wisdom as like the queen who is throwing a party. So Proverbs 9, 1 through 10. Wisdom has built her house. She has set it up with seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants, and she calls from the highest point of the city, let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food and drink my wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and you will live, walk in the light of insight. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers, or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The next reading from the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verses 1 and 2, and then verses 14 through 18. And this can be found on page 368 in the Pew Bible. Joshua is displaying his spiritual leadership by committing his life to the Lord, no matter what other people are doing. Joshua 24, 1 through 2, and then 14 through 18. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, and judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if, I, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. 
It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up from out of Egypt and from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. We will read Psalm 34 verses 12 through 22 responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin. Psalm 34, 12 through 22. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. <clears throat> he protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. The next reading is taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 6 through 21, and can be found on page 1822 in the Pew Bible. This is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, which is to reinforce that we are to reach out to all people and our actions to be a reflection of our faith. Ephesians 5, 6 through 21. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you, are, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live not as an unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hallelujah, this is the Lord, whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 6. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Jesus, as the just as the living Father sent me, I live because the Father is Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he has, was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them would not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father enables them. You do not want to you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Most likely, uh, some of you, like Suzanne and I, picked up a new habit during the COVID-19 lockdowns, been watching old and new television series, not having to wait for the next week to hear the, the next episode. Television series, plays, novels, and even the Bible have something in common, subplots within the, the frame of the main uh, story, the main narrative. 
If you look at uh, slide two, you, for example, you can see that NCIS has Dicks and, uh, and Kinsey's. They're a romance. Deeks is a, an assigned police officer to NCIS, and Kinsey's one of their agents. Or in slide three, you see Bones, where you have Booth and Bones, where Booth is an FBI agent and uh, Bones is a forensic uh, pathologist, and their relationship, their romantic entwines. House MD, of course we have House and Cuddy, where uh, House is a controversial doctor, and Cuddy is the administrator of the hospital, always trying to keep him under control so the hospital doesn't get sued. And then there's Psych, where you have Sean and Juliet. This takes place in Santa Barbara. Well, Sean is a phony uh, psychic, where actually has, he has good powers of observation, but he pretends to gain them by psychic powers. And Juliet, she's a, a detective in the Santa Barbara Police Department. Site 6, our scripture, Mark 2, verses 1 through 12, has a subplot as well. It's the, par the paralytic and his four friends. The main plot of the scriptures is concerned with Jesus affirming his authority over the physical world, healing, and over the spiritual world of forgiving sins. Today, though, I want to focus on the subplot to gain an insight as to what faith looks like and how faith, like the paralytic and his four friends, grows and nourishes. In our subplot here, here's the background. After Jesus returned from being tempted in the wilderness by Satan, he returned to Capernaum, located on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, and began teaching and healing with occasional breaks in between with trips to the wilderness, taking a vacation. This time, Jesus was able to sneak back into Capernaum without being spotted for about three days until the crowd showed up. And that's when the paralytic and his four friends showed up in faith to receive healing for their friend. The crowds were so great that they could not enter the house. It would be like Jesus being at one of our houses and the home completely jam-packed with people and even the front yards and the front street and even your neighbor's yards. There was no way to get in by walking in. But they persevered to receive their goal of healing by somehow making it on top of the roof. And, taking, and making a hole in it to lower their friend down in. If you look at uh, slide 7, you'll see a depiction of what a New Testament home looks like. The roof was consisted of uh, beams placed over narrow walls and then with um, grass and mud and, and shrubbery on top of that to make a ceiling. So you can imagine the mess that was made as they opened up a hole to let their, for their friend down in. And the people underneath, obviously, were going to get rained on with all this debris. I mean, I think if it was me in my home that I'd be a little bit upset with this and uh, maybe even call the police. I mean, there's plenty of charges there. Destruction of property, Ill illegal entry, uh, you name it. In endangerment. But... Fortunately, Jesus was more compassionate and forgiving than I would be. 
did have, there is one thought though, you know, the, the scripture doesn't say who repaired the roof afterward. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe possibly Jesus just spoke it and made it all together again, but don't take that as gospel. It's just a, a thought. Okay. In slide eight, let's talk about faith. What is faith? Faith is believing in or putting your trust in something or someone. People in general put their faith in many things, say, getting to church here and, and this morning, either by your car or walking here. Most people don't think twice about their, their ability to get to their destination safely, but, but by faith, it's assumed to be a given. Or partaking in the coffee and the treats afterwards, we assume that the people there uh, took care in preparing it correctly and that uh, it's not going to uh, affect us in an adverse reaction. Besides which, I bet you nobody here has ever seen anybody get sick with it, right? So again, therefore, you trust it, you have faith in it, and you don't give it a second thought. How about sitting in the pews here? Are there any of you that are, are not resting fully in them and you may be squatting, uh, you know, just hovering above the seat? It's kind of impossible to do it for any length of time. I know I couldn't do it. But again, you have a history of sitting in the, and trusting in it, and therefore you have faith, and you take it for granted. You don't give it a second thought. All of these examples, uh, we've learned to have faith by history of learning experiences that lead us to the conclusion that we can trust and have faith in things. For the Christian, faith is believing in and putting our trust in God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, not in people or things. People will fail us. Not one of us is perfect. Inevitably, we will fail somebody who is trusting in us. And things do not have any power to do anything. They're inanimate. In Isaiah 44, 15 through 18, God chastens us about taking wood that we use to cook our meal and warm ourselves with and then taking another piece of it and making a God out of it and bowing down to it and saying, save me. So things, inanimate objects, have no power to do anything. Christian faith is sitting in Jesus' lap putting your full weight in him and trusting him for everything. Look at uh, slide nine. How does faith grow and how is it nourished? The first way that faith grows and nourished is through exercising it. The LA Marathon and the Solvang Centuries are activities that require exercising our physical bodies. People that participate in activities like these just don't decide one day to go out and do them and go without preparation. Those that do experience failure and fatigue. Baby steps, exercise, start small in exercising faith and working up to bigger acts of faith. Training, read the Bible, get to know God. God gave us his, his love letter, the 66 books that we hold in our hand called the Bible. Without it, we would know very little about him except what we could gain from looking at nature and come to the conclusion that there is a creator God. But in his love for us, he's written all 66 books so we know who he is, what his disposition is towards us. Does he hate us? Does he love us? What is his plan? Where are we going? 
What is the end? What was the, the reason for this man dying on the cross 2,000 years ago? We wouldn't know without his writing, without his love letter. Communication with and keeping and in, in connected to God is the key to creating trust. If you look at slide 10, there's a, a tandem bike there. And yes, that's Suzanne and I on there. We used to do, for fun, uh, century bike rides for charity. And I wanted Suzanne to participate, but I wanted to know that she was safe and where she was at the end of the 100 miles. I didn't want to have to wonder if she took a wrong turn or she had an accident. So I bought a tandem. I figured, she's right there behind me, and we're going to be together, we're connected, and I know she's safe, right? Well, I tell you, if you, if you think that's a great idea, it is a test of your friendship or your, your marriage, and I'll tell you why. <clears throat> the person in the front is called the captain, and they have all the control on this. They have the steering, they have the brakes, they have the gear shift. Everything is under the control. But the person in the back is called the stoker, and their job is to cooperate with and stay connected with the captain. They're going in the same direction with the same goal, and their, their job is to provide assistance in pedaling. They can let go of the, the uh, handlebars, right? The captain also has a responsibility of communicating back and forth with the stoker to let them know, oh, there's a parked car coming up so they don't get blindsided by this thing flashing by them and, and cause us to have an accident, right? Or that there's a bump in the road so that she can take some weight off the seat so she doesn't get slammed. Well, when I forget to do that, remember, she can let go of the handlebars and she can pound me <laughs> Okay? Well, it's the same way with God. If we let God be the captain of this metaphor, the, the tandem, then we're, and we take the, the stoker position, then we're concluding that we're going to stay connected with him and we're on the same path, we've got the same goal, and we're going to trust in the captain to take the right directions, the right turns, take things at the right speed, all, all of those variables so that he and we know at the end of the ride exactly where he's at and that we are safe with him. I mean, the alternative to that is to ride your own bicycle and hope that you can keep up with him, right? You don't have his power helping with the pedaling. And if he gets too far ahead, you might veer off to the left or right because you're not certain which direction to go. He's no longer visible to lead you. So you waste a lot of time on dead ends and getting back on track. So the best thing to do is just get on that bike, be connected, stay connected, talk to him, read about him and who he is, and trust him to lead and guide you in all your ways. The other thing is that God is using today's difficulties to strengthen our faith for tomorrow. The second way that faith is grows and is nourishes through perseverance. If you look at slide 11 there, we have a bicyclist on a lonely road 
And when we feel all alone, we tend to get weary. Have you ever noticed that having someone to help you to do something that it's easier to endure? But you know what? You're never alone. Jesus tells us that I will be with you and never leave or forsake you. The paralytic's four friends persevered. Together they accomplished the goal through faith in Jesus. Persevering is not giving up when it looks like you can't do it. In slide 10, when there's no end in sight and you just can't do it, trust God. He's in charge from beginning to end. The bicyclist depicted in that picture there, I'm not sure who he's putting or what he's putting his faith in. Uh, maybe it's his equipment or his skill in riding the bike. But he's in a very precarious position there. The path is narrower, and on the, the land side of things there, if, he, if the picture was bigger, you'd see that his inside pedal is up because there's a rock protruding there, and if he pedals, it will knock him off balance and he will fall to his death below. I say that it appears that he's trusting in himself because evidently he put himself in this position. But when God calls you or gives you an assignment or says, go this way, go that way, uh, he will be with you and he will help you persevere through that. God gave me assignment in 2002 and uh, it took me seven years of asking around uh, people to finally find out what it is to become, how do you become a pastor? And so at age 66 in, in 2009, he put me in the seminary. Well, part of what you have to learn is Greek and Hebrew, biblical Greek and Hebrew. I got through the Greek all right. I'm an engineer in my first uh, profession and the, the Greek uh, language is very precise because they like to argue philosophy and so they had to have a precision language. But Hebrew is more pictorial and it's, you have to, uh, let's say, the lexical, lexical, you know what I mean by a lexical range? When you look in, the, in your uh, dictionary and you look up a word, there's the meanings behind it usually, one, two, three, four, five, right? Well, theirs might be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, fourteen, fifteen, right? And so the, the problem is you have to know the root spelling in order to tell what the current uh, word means. And I, being not a very good speller, had a problem with that. So the first semester of, of uh, Hebrew, at midterms, I had a 52. Well, guess what? S uh, like something like 76 is an F. So I'm failing worse than failing. I'm failing failing. Okay, so I went on a pity party for about four days going to the counselors to find out what I could salvage out of what I'd already done but thank God for prayer and for my prayer partner Dave Boyer some of you may know him he's passed away now but my wife and the teacher convinced me to persevere from that point on I got A's on the translation test before the problem was that I couldn't translate it it was just I couldn't finish it so I'd only have it half done. I ended up B minus, right? Second semester, semester of Hebrews, midterm, same thing. 
This time the pity party was only 20 minutes, so I in prayer. And he says, God, if I need this degree to do what you've called me to do, then I need your help because I, I can't do it. I was already spending 8, 10 hours a day just studying Hebrew, trying to memorize it to whatever so that I could translate faster. And it wasn't working. Guess what? I finished the semester B minus. Third semester of Hebrew. I didn't wait for the, the semester to start. I went in prayer and ended up again passing Hebrew with a B minus. So when, when you're in trouble, when it looks like you, you just have to give up because you just can't do it, you've given it all that you have, don't give up. Call on the one who loves you to help you out. Amen. The third way that faith grows and is nourished is through adversity. Say, dealing with doctors and, and the reason we have to in the first place. Dealing with conflicting opinions and solutions, treatments. Pray for the proper treatment and the successful outcome. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Jesus, God in the flesh, is uh, Jehovah Rophe, our physician. He heals us physically, mentally, and spiritually. Pray to him to assist you in your decisions and have faith that he, being the ultimate loving father that he is, will bring about the correct conclusion. Another form of adversity is having to move from one town to another to take a new job or a new assignment. Look at slide 14. Take Abraham. Uh, being told by God to take and leave his birthplace, his, his native country of Ur of the Chaldeans, and go to a land that I will show you. Having to leave family and friends behind is difficult, and deciding what to take and what to leave behind. This fellow in slide 14 looks like he couldn't decide. He tried to take it all in one trip. This was not easy for Abraham either because he was a successful and wealthy rancher. And besides that, he had to establish a new residence. And there was no, uh, he didn't even know where to go. And there was no Google map that he could consult, no uh, 360 street view that he could take a panorama view of what's around, what's it like. And he couldn't Google what are the amenities? Where's the store? Where's the hospital? All that type of thing that we have a vantage now. His only option was to accept by faith God's command and let him be the captain of his tandem. Still another form of adversity is making improvements, say, like a kitchen remodel as opposed to a makeover where it's just cosmetic changes. God's remodeling of us is to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus, the crucified and resurrected Christ. You find that in Romans 8, 28 through 29. <clears throat> Sometimes you have to go backwards to go forwards, slide 15. When it comes to making more than just superficial changes in ourself, it's the Holy Spirit's job to tear down and demolish the old us and make us anew in Christ Jesus. It involves putting up with a lot of inconvenience, like giving up our little G's 
the little gods that I talked about uh, last week, the things that we're holding onto too tight, the things that owned us instead of the other way around. It involves uh, participating in patience and understanding until the remodeling is finished, slide 16. It's the Holy Spirit's job to implement the changes in us. Our responsibility is to cooperate with him, patiently understanding that real changes take time. Even the safe, safe person is still going to sin unintentionally. Our salvation is secure. Jesus is the one who made and maintains the unconditional promise of our forgiveness. What is at risk is our communion with God. The remedy is to confess our sin, and God will forgive our sin and restore our communion with him. We start every service with it in the absolution, the confession and absolution. Overcome the adversity by dealing with it in patience and understanding, by going to God in prayer, having faith that God will complete the job that he started and give you the ability to overcome. Slide 17. So how does faith, like the paralytic and his four friends, grow and nourish? Our faith in God is strengthened by exercising it regularly, by baby steps. Let God be the captain of your tandem. God is, strength, is strengthening us for tomorrow by persevering when we're, there is no end in sight, trusting that God in his is in charge from beginning to end and by overcoming adversity, dealing with the situation with patience and understanding, having faith that God will give you the ability to overcome. Whenever you're tempted to lose faith, stop looking at the, the things around you, the situation that you're in, and look up to the one who is willing and able to help. Fight like a man or scrap like a woman. Get down on your knees and pray. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Remember, by faith, do what is right and leave the results, the consequences, up to God. Please bow your, your heart in an attitude of prayer. Heavenly Father, help us each day to grow more and more in love with you to the point of being head over heels in love with you where nothing else in this world is more important than your relationship with us. Help us to trust you as the captain of our tandem, trusting in your direction for helping us to cooperate with you and fulfilling the purpose of our lives. Thank you for the free gift of your salvation through the grace, for your, through your grace provided through the actions of Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Lord. Amen. Peace.
thirst and hunger Come renew us, Lord Come renew us, Lord From the mountain blessings forget Where we came to pray With the simple truth before us Love them in my name Love them in my name Bread of heaven, Savior broken Cup of life
Christen haben. Please uh, join me in affirming the tenets of our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he arose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. I go in the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, and the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and our everlasting. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord, God Almighty, Heavenly Father, Savior and Holy Spirit, we praise your holy name. Heavenly Father, we know that all that we have, whether our material possessions, our families, our friends, and even our very lives are a gift from you. And you possess everything in your creation, including us. Thank you for sharing your creation with us and trusting us to be good stewards of your earth. Please help us be wise and considerate of your creation as we care for what you have entrusted us to manage. Holy Father, thank you for the wisdom and skills our physicians and scientists use to discover cures for diseases and illnesses that attack us, as well as for the techniques and technologies they employ to protect life from harm. You have granted us the intellect and creativity to solve problems facing humanity. And we pray that you would also grant us the wisdom to use these gifts wisely. Thank you for your miracles in our lives. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for the vision to see them when we are quiet and still. Holy Father, we continue to struggle with the COVID virus and its many mutations. We're confused frightened and distraught by the frequently given and conflicting advice and disease prevention directions provided by supposed experts in national, international, and state health organizations. Holy Spirit, please focus our minds and hearts to recognize that our true and everlasting peace in the face of our problems lies only in trusting our Lord and not the claimed wisdom of humankind. Lord, please say your word and destroy this virus, or grant us lasting protection from its harmful effects. Please quickly heal those who have already been infected, and in the meantime, we pray that you would give each of us the personal knowledge to recognize and take the best precautions to keep ourselves safe. Holy Father, we pray for wisdom within our national, state, and local elected leaders, representatives, and judges. Please guide each of them to place the good of our country above their own personal ambitions, greed for power, and attitude of superiority. 
guide them to forego the hateful rhetoric and decisive divisiveness that threatens the safety and health of our citizens. We also pray, Holy Spirit, that you would shine your light on those who seek to sow conflict and fear among us and who create lawlessness and chaos. Such individuals are knowingly or unwittingly in league with Satan, whose power is far greater than ours. Please save us from these people. We pray for the health and safety of our friends, families, and loved ones. Please speak your healing word to those who suffer and provide knowledge and wisdom to physicians who serve as your earthly agents of healing. There are many among us in this congregation that have medical problems, and we pray for your healing touch. Each member of our church family are precious to us, and we know they are precious to you. Please demonstrate your mercy to our church family members and their families, and shine your glory among us. Please continue to protect our Pastor Ken and his family. We also pray for our younger, younger citizens who are in school, Lord. Protect them from this virus and give us wisdom to know how to best protect them while they learn. Help us say the right words to lend encouragement and assurance that today's challenges will pass. Thank you for those of us who have lived through very difficult times in our nation's history. We pray that you would help us gently and thoughtfully pass our lessons learned to younger citizens and let them learn from history instead of trying to erase it. We pray that you give them hearts and minds to hear the truth and learn from the mistakes of their elders. We again thank you for Pastor George Hines delivering your gospel message to us this morning. Thank you for calling him to serve as one of your servants and for the support of his wife, Suzanne. We pray for the safety of our military members, police, firefighters, and medical professionals who continue to face danger every day. Please shield all of them from harm. We especially pray for our law enforcement officers throughout the United States, wherever they serve, to protect us from the evil actions of others. We ask for special protection for military members being deployed to Afghanistan to evacuate diplomats from invading forces of evil. We pray for the millions of migrants that have been foolishly encouraged to risk their lives to flood through our southwestern border. Please, Holy Father, guide our government officials to know what to do to protect them from harm, as well as to protect our citizens and national security. We have created a humanitarian and national crisis that our leaders don't know what to do. Please humble those whose arrogance and pride place so many at risk of harm and show us a solution. Dear God Almighty, thank you for hearing and answering our prayers, even when those prayers are contained within the busyness of our daily thoughts. And we thank you for filling our hearts with your creative presence that serves to displace our anxiety when we face what we can't control, which is pretty much everything. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be with you always. Please share the peace with those around you. Hmm. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Lord be with you. <clears throat> Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with your gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service, dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for us. Take a him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God. For the glorious resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the true Paschal Lamb, who gave himself to take away our sins, who, in dying, has destroyed death, and in rising has brought us to eternal life. And also with Mary Magdalene and Peter and all the witnesses of the res resurrection, with earth and sea and all their creatures, with the angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join in their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord, power of mind in might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. <clears throat> in the night in which our Savior was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He blessed it and gave thanks. And said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after the meal, he took the cup, blessed it, gave thanks, and said, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. So as long as we eat of this bread and drink of this wine, we remember his death and his resurrection is in his glorious coming. Amen. The table is set and all are welcome. With the usher, follow the ushers and with the assistants come, please. Oh.
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
and receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Our closing hymn. Sing the